Welcome to Disrupting Obesity. I'm Charlotte Skeins, and I'll be sharing ways to regain control over your body and lose an extreme amount of weight naturally. Being fat is about so much more than just the food. It's about your relationship with food. That means that dealing with your weight is about more than just the food too. You have to change that relationship. You have to start disrupting obesity. I get asked a lot of questions. I also tend to get asked the same questions over and over, so I thought I would do an episode covering them. But when I started to pull the questions together, I realized I had a lot more than just one episode's worth. So I'm starting a monthly series on the questions that I get asked. So if you've got questions, you can send them in through my website on the podcast page, or you can send them through my DMs. You can reply to any of the stories I've got posted over on Instagram, and I can reply to you directly. And your question may just end up on one of my monthly question episodes. Don't worry though, you're about to see the way I strip them of any information that could identify someone and just leave the core of the question, the bare bones. It's not actually about the details anyway. The first question I'm going to cover is one of the really common ones. How do I know how many calories I should be eating? I've got a couple answers to this, but I'm going to give you the surface answer first. So the number of calories your body needs each day is called your TDEE, your total daily energy expenditure. Let's back up for just a second. You get something called a BMR too. That's your basal metabolic rate. It's how many calories your body burns if you do nothing but lie in bed all day. Your BMR is the number of calories your body needs to just exist, to breathe, pump blood, digest your food, grow your fingernails, all that stuff. Your TDEE is your BMR plus any other activity you do that burns calories. Lift your arm, go for a walk, make scrambled eggs, type on your computer whatever. That's your TDEE, the total number of calories your body burns. The best way to figure it out is to use an online TDEE calculator. It's going to ask you for your age, height, weight, gender, and your activity level. If you want the formula, reach out to me, but an online calculator is going to do the exact same thing in a fraction of the time. When I weighed 338 pounds, my TDEE was 3,075 calories a day. That's how many calories my body needed. So to get myself into a calorie deficit, I just needed to eat less than 3,075 calories, 500 calories less per day, and I lose a pound a week. My current TDEE is about 1,470 calories. I'm super short and I still have a relatively low activity level because of the atrophy, so that's why that count is so low. So what you do is you take your TDEE and you subtract 500. And that's going to put you into a deficit. And this is exactly what your calorie tracking app is going to do when you set it up. It's going to take your height and weight, your age, your gender, and it's going to calculate your TDEE, subtract 500, and that's the target number of calories it's going to give you for each day. So that's answer number one. That's how you figure out how many calories you need. And I'm going to ask you to take that information and just put it aside for now. It's a great goal but it's not a great starting point. Instead, I want you to do what I tell all of my clients to do when they start with me. Set up your tracking app and then completely ignore the number of calories it suggests for each day. Use the app to track what you eat, but don't change what you're eating at all. Just eat like usual. I ask my clients to do this for two reasons. First off, I want them to get used to using their app without the stress of trying to hit a calorie target, and I want them to get that baseline of how many calories they're used to taking in. Secondly, I want them to start building awareness of what they're actually eating. 
It's confrontational, but it's important given how many of us live in denial about how much we're eating and how many calories are in the food. That baseline matters for a few reasons. You need to know what your caloric intake really looks like, and it gives you a far better starting point than just dropping down to your TDEE minus 500. So for at least two weeks, I want you to track every single thing you eat or drink. All of it. Take an honest reckoning of what your caloric intake looks like and make note of your daily totals. Seriously, like put them in your phone. At the end of the two weeks, add them up and get an average daily total. That's the number I want you to focus on. And I don't want you to drop 500 calories from that number. I just want you to drop 200. So if your app is telling you that you need 2,900 calories a day and your 14-day average is 4,700 calories, drop down to 4,500 for a week or so. Then drop down to 4,300, then 4,100. Do not start at 2,900 calories a day. It's a bad idea. Not when you're used to nearly a couple thousand calories more. That's a recipe for quitting in a couple of weeks, if not days. If you cut your calories in half, it's a lot harder to get started and it's a lot harder to keep going because it's such a massive shock, not just to your body, but to your mental and emotional self too. Eating isn't just about the food. It's about the way it feels in your mouth and the way it sits in your stomach. It's about the way it feels when you're stressed out or sad or bored or lonely or whatever and you eat a whole bunch of something. Eating is about so much more than just the food. So much more. I think the mental and emotional reasons not to substantially drop your calories are far more important than the physical ones. You're going to be miserable. And that is the wrong foot to get your mindset off on when you're starting to lose an extreme amount of weight. You want a good start, not a rough one. So start slower so you get acclimated to having less to eat. When it's gradual, you can say to yourself, this isn't so bad, instead of the usual narrative about what a horrible ride on the pain train slashing your calories is. It will feel like a different experience than the normal quote-unquote dieting, and that's going to make a massive difference to your overall mindset. If it doesn't feel so bad, if you're not completely miserable, it's way easier to tell yourself that you can keep going. It's a lot easier to keep going. Okay, the next question up is some variation of, I can't exercise, what should I do? And I love this question because I feel like my answer is the most freeing for people of all the questions I get asked, and it gives them hope. So I always love it when somebody asks me what kind of exercise they need to be doing or they're just trying to justify why they can't exercise. Don't worry about whether or not you can exercise. You don't need to exercise to lose weight at all. It's completely unnecessary. I did a whole episode on this one. Episode nine, don't exercise to lose weight. And I mean it. I'm completely serious. You don't have to exercise at all to lose weight. I hate the whole diet and exercise rhetoric with weight loss because it chases so many people away before they've even gotten started. And it shuts so many people down once they do start. We've been told for decades that the only way to lose weight is with diet and exercise. Well, one, it's a lie. It's a lie. And two, it's a massive barrier to weight loss for a lot of people, probably most people, because we hear diet and exercise and we think, well, if I can't exercise, what point is there to getting my diet sorted out? Why bother? 
that's a huge problem. And I'm not just saying that you don't have to exercise as some kind of a trick. This isn't a bait and switch. It's the truth. It also just happens to be what most of us want to hear. And I realize that those two things don't usually align. But weight loss experts keep ramming exercise down everybody's throats, even though the obesity crisis just keeps on getting worse. And even though it's clearly not working, it's just driving people away. When I lost 200 pounds, I did it without any form of exercise. I moved into a building with an elevator from a third-story walk-up, and I got a job that was completely sedentary. I cut back on my movement when I decided to lose weight. Not intentionally, it just worked out that way, but it happened, right? I was a full-time university student with one full-time and three part-time jobs, so I was just taking things as they came. I tried curves, very briefly, as in I passed out during my first workout. So yeah, it was brief. In fairness, they were super well-intentioned and very nice, but I think I was possibly the biggest person they'd had in there. I mean, I had a BMI of 61.8. And there were so few hyper-obese people back then that the term hyper-obesity hadn't been invented yet. So I'm not really blaming anybody, but when you weigh over 300 pounds, exercise can be really hard, if not nearly physically impossible, at least exercise in the conventional sense. I couldn't have done a push-up or a pull-up or anything even close to either of those two things. Just moving was hard enough. The first time I lost weight, I didn't want to exercise. I didn't like it. I'm finally starting to warm up to it now but I view it more as a necessary evil because some of the other physical stuff I have to deal with. And I've been forced to do it enough that I've seen and felt the changes that come with it. Whether it's how much easier physical tasks can be or having more stamina or the mental health benefits. I've got PTSD and treatment-resistant depression and regular movement exercise makes a huge difference to my overall mental health. Then there's the second time I lost weight when I dropped 100 pounds. I did zero exercise that time too. Not by choice though. Even if I'd been all in mentally, which I kind of was, my body was out. It wasn't possible. I, I couldn't do it. I could barely move, let alone anything that even remotely resembled exercise. When I first came home after five months in the hospital, I was still in, well, I was in really rough shape. Like I was way sicker than I'd been when I went into the hospital in the first place. I mean, the pancreatitis was over but I was a disaster. The fight left me completely spent. I had one organ that was missing a big chunk, another one that needed to come out. I still had pick lines and a decent-sized abdominal drain tube. I'd spent weeks learning how to do stairs so I could get in and out of our raised bungalow with its five little steps up to the main floor after you walk in the front door. That was a discharge condition. I was still using a walker. I couldn't sit for more than 20 minutes at a time without needing a nap and a break because I would get so sore from trying to sit. It would be months before I could do some of the most basic things. And I mean, it took a year before I was considered strong enough for laparoscopic surgery, right? It was a year before I could make it up and down my basement stairs without being afraid that I wouldn't get back up. It was a year before I took my boys out on my own. And it was more than a year before I could pull myself into a sitting position from lying down. So there was a lot going on. I had a physio team that came to the house after I was discharged. They came for quite a while, but at the very beginning, they did a bunch of evaluations so they'd have a way to gauge my progress. I only remember the details of one of them. 
but it took me a little over two minutes to cross our living room. And it was not a big room. We're talking maybe 15 feet. At my final evaluation, I could do it in 14 seconds. I'm pretty sure that before I got sick, I could do it in about three. So I was barely moving, let alone exercising when I needed to lose that 100 pounds. You don't have to exercise to lose weight, period. I've spoken with lots of people who had injuries or atrophy or some other physical condition that meant they couldn't exercise. People in wheelchairs, they still lost their weight. So if you can't exercise or you don't want to, and you're wondering what to do about it when it comes to your weight loss, don't worry about it. Get your calories under control and you'll get your weight under control. Maybe once you're more physically able to incorporate movement into your life, you'll want to do it more. Something else I get asked about is meal planning, and I've got thoughts. I think I understand why meal planning, especially meal batching, is so trendy right now, and I think it can work for people. It never worked for me, and it's not something I do. Meal plans aren't part of my program. And here's why. There are a couple of reasons. First off, I don't like them because if I tell you what to eat for the next year, my program's 53 weeks long, what are you going to do when the meal plans stop? Because most of my clients need longer than 53 weeks to get their weight off. My average starting weight is right around 300 pounds. So that's a lot to drop. So yeah, I could do up 53 weeks worth of meal plans, but everybody likes to eat different food. And if you don't like what you're eating, you're probably not going to keep eating it. It's way more important for you to learn how to work with the foods you enjoy, and you'll be far better off in the long run. You need to be self-sufficient on this one, or you're just going to keep jumping from one version of a meal plan to another. On top of the whole what then problem, I think meal plans are too restrictive, and they're not really representative of the way a lot of us like to live. The real world tends to be pretty spontaneous, and if you've got a problem with boredom eating, Coupling that with boredom food is a super bad idea. Seriously, like it's a very bad idea. So you eat your super healthy, super boring jar of whatever for the third day in a row that you meal prepped on Sunday. Yay! Only now you're home alone and TV sucks and your dinner sucks and your day at work sucked. And all you can think about is getting up, going to the kitchen and grabbing damn near anything in reach and eventually you will. I think the repetition of meal plans can be restrictive in a bad way. I think that can kick off unnecessary overeating too. And I think the lack of choice in the moment is bad for your mindset. It's undermining. I think there are meal planning-ish things you can do to make your life easier, but trying to stick to a rigid schedule of foods, bad idea. I have a basket in my fridge of pre-portioned snacks that are just for me. In my case, they're separate because they're no sugar snacks and my boys eat regular stuff without the artificial sweeteners. But I've got this pancreas thing going on. Diabetes can rear its head on me at any minute and I've got a sweet tooth a mile wide. So I have a basket of sugar-free and no sugar added puddings, jellos, fruit cups, yogurts. Your basket would hold things that you know the exact calorie count of. 250 calorie bags of cookies or 300 calorie bags of candies. Maybe it's jerky or pasta salad in little tubs, whatever your thing is. Instead of planning out meals, plan out things you love to eat in handy portions that are easy to enter into your calorie tracking app. 
I have three little boys and a husband with busy schedules and I've got a business and a house to run. So I do what I think of as like a a loose meal plan. I go into each week knowing that one night will be breakfast, one will be pasta, and one will be rice. There's enough variety in each of those things to keep me from getting bored and it lets me stay really flexible. Breakfast can be anything from eggs on toast with hash browns to pancakes and sausage. I mean, what can't you do with pasta and rice, right? Versatility abounds here. I plan the rest of the week around the proteins that are on sale and whatever leftovers we have. So that's my loose meal planning. Here's one that I can answer in a great big hurry. All those ads you're seeing as you scroll online about weight loss gummies, those ones, yeah, they're all bullshit. Every single one of them, total garbage, don't bother. You can get some way better tasting gummies for far less money at the grocery store and they'll do the exact same thing for you, which to be clear is absolutely nothing. Go get some candy gummy bears or something because the weight loss ones are snake oil and probably don't taste as good as the ones from the grocery store. It's all nonsense, all of it. The last question I'll take on today comes from my social media. And if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know why. What about carbs and sugar? This could have a huge answer, but I'm going to try and rein myself in a bit. I don't actively track either one, even now. And I didn't even look at carbs and sugar when I lost 200 pounds. But I wasn't diabetic then, or pre-diabetic. And I had all of my pancreas. I had 100% of it. The second time I lost weight, I most definitely was tracking both my carbs and my sugar, but I needed that information for gastro, endo, my GP, and my dietitian. right? I had horrible diabetes when I was in the hospital. It was completely out of control, but it was injury and TPN induced. I wasn't eating or drinking anything at all, not even water. Everything was being done by IV. TPN is total parenteral nutrition and it can royally screw with blood sugar. So I was getting multiple injections of insulin every day, and my blood sugar was being checked many times a day. Many, many, many. Like I would be woken up every few hours through the night to have my blood sugar checked with a few other tests. I was told I would never get off insulin, which is not the case, because I did. But for a while, I had to keep an incredibly close eye on my daily sugar intake and carbs, protein, and fiber. I don't have to track them now, but I've also got a really good idea of what my days look like because I've been doing it for so long. What you do is between you and your medical team. Do I think you should cut out carbs? Not unless your doctor tells you to. Absolutely not. Should you limit your sugar? Not necessarily. I don't know what your sugar intake looks like. I can say that most people are getting more than they need by a long shot. And cutting down on sugar even a little can be a very simple way to cut down on a whack of calories in a hurry. I went from at least 1,700 calories of pop every day with 462 grams of sugar to zero calories from the same amount of pop with zero grams of sugar because I switched from regular pop to diet pop. I went back to the full sugar stuff once my weight was off, but diet soda was a really good tool for me. And I've never gone back to drinking as much cola as I used to. So the calories are more manageable. I just incorporate them into my day. So unless you've got medical reasons, don't worry about sugar and carbs. Focus on calories and the rest will follow. Please feel free to submit your questions 
any way you'd like. I'm going to have one of these episodes coming out every single month. Keep trying, keep tracking, don't be intimidated, and don't give up. You've totally got this. Thank you for listening to Disrupting Obesity. If you know it's time to take back control, lose the weight, and keep it off, reach out to me privately with a direct message on Instagram that says ready so you can start disrupting obesity. 